We're in Lesson 6 today. It seems like we've been hitting a different topic each time, but I want you to understand Paul is trying to address the root issues of why they're fighting. He's trying to address the root issues of why they're fighting. So, if you remember, first of all, he tackled the issue of their pride and talked about how really the gospel is foolishness and God chooses the foolish things to confound the wise of the world, so why the world are they proudful? Then he looked at the issue of wisdom, God's wisdom, because they probably thought they were so smart and that's why they were fighting, and he talked about how they were actually immature, and we looked at that last week. Now we're going to talk, he's going to get right to the heart of what's at the center of their fighting. See, remember what Paul has said. He said that some of them have said, I'm of Paul, I'm of Apollos, I'm of Cephas, and the really spiritual ones were saying, I'm of Jesus. They were centering around leaders. And that was what the strife was coming from. Is they had these rah-rah groups, these fan groups of these leaders, and they were each conflicting with each other. So now Paul wants to deal with that issue. All of this is a part of the issue of dealing with the struggling. He wants to deal with the issue of their misconceptions concerning leadership, concerning their wrong thinking concerning Christian leaders. So he wants to correct some conceptions that they have concerning leadership. And so that's what we're going to focus on today. And hopefully we can glean some things and hopefully it will be helpful to you. So let's look at uh, verses 5 through 9 of chapter 3 and uh, see what the Apostle tells us today. Who then is Paul and who is Apollos but ministers through whom you believed as the Lord gave to each one? I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So then neither he who plants is anything, nor he who waters, but God who gives the increase. Now he who plants and he who waters are one, and each one will receive his own reward according to his own labor. For we are God's fellow workers, and you are God's field, you are God's building. Okay, now let's look at a couple things here. First of all, the nature of leaders. You and I need to understand the nature of leadership. So let's take the first point there, and that's this. Paul states that he and Apollos are servants of the Lord. They serve the Lord. They're both servants. See, here's what they're doing. They're trying to, in this group, they're fighting among themselves, and they're saying, well, you know, hey, Paul, Paul, oh yeah, Paul, but Apollos, he's better. Man, have you heard him speak? Because Apollos was an eloquent speaker. Boy, that Paul, he can't speak very well. But boy, that Apollos, he's really it. And here's what Paul's trying to say to them. Guys, you're focusing on the wrong things. Both of us, both of us are servants of God. Both of us serve Jesus. That's what you've got to focus on. Not on our abilities, not on our eloquence, not how we look. But the fact is, is that both of us are serving God. Both of us are serving the Lord. Now, here's the point. Here's what he's saying to them. They are servants whom God used to bring the Corinthians to faith. They are servants that God used to bring the Corinthians to faith. Notice what he says there, verse 5. But ministers through whom you believed as the Lord gave to each one. See, here's the point I want you to see. When God gives a pastor, when God gives a leader to the church, 
He's giving that pastor, and that's what they were. They were, they were authority leaders there teaching the Word of God. He gave them those leaders. Well, here, I'll, turn over with me to Ephesians. I'll tell you why he gives them to you. Ephesians chapter 4. Just real quickly, this is a great side point here. This is what he gives. Look with me at verse 11. And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. And here's why he gave them. And we're seeing this right now with this whole verse of of what's going on with Apollos and Paul. For, notice something, for the equipping, so that's to equip you for the equipping of the saints. Why? For the work of the ministry. So that you could do the work of the ministry. Also know this, for the edifying of the body. So that the church is built up and encouraged. And then notice, till we come to unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, verse 13, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. What's he talking about here? He gave these leaders, he gives the church pastoral leaders to equip you, that is, teach you so that you can do the work of the ministry, so that you can grow, and then ultimately so that you can spiritually mature. That's what he's saying in verse 13. So that you can spiritually mature and so that there's unity in the body. Unity in the body. And so that's what he's saying here. He's saying to them, guys, we're just servants. God sent us to you so that you could come to faith, so that you could grow in your faith. That's the purpose. That's the, you know, our gifts are different. But the reason why we came is so that you could grow. That's what he's saying to the Corinthians. And here you are, you're fighting over who's better. You're fighting over who's better, and that's what he's talking about here. Then notice with me, verse 6, look at the nature of the work. Look at verse 6, here's what he says. I planted, Apollos watered, God, notice what he said, God gave the increase, but God gave the increase. Notice the next thing I want you to see there. They had a different ministry to the church. This is a problem. This especially is true in churches where the pastor has been there a long time. And, and there's a saying among, among pastors, like, don't ever follow a guy who's been there 20 or 30 years. Because usually the guy that follows the guy, he doesn't last very long. He gets chopped up, eaten up. You've got to wait for at least two pastors later after a guy who's been there a long time. Why? Because the people get used to having a pastor. And so when the next guy comes, they think the next guy should be like who? The last guy. But here's what Paul's saying. Each of us are different. Every person is different. Is there anybody like, is, is there anybody like each other here? I know when you're married, you grow like each other. But you're not completely like each other, are you? Is anybody like anybody here? Not yet. Okay. So here, here's my point. Okay. All right. Well, anyhow, here's what I'm trying to say to you. Every person is unique. Every person, even in the same family. You notice that, you guys who have kids, you notice that even with your children, they're different, aren't they? They're not alike. Even with twins, you ask somebody who has twins, they'll tell you they're different. Here's my point. Here's what he's saying. I came, I planted. Apollos came, he watered, God gave the increase. Why? Because we minister differently. And each person is different. 
Every pastor, every person is different. And so you may have many pastors. How many of you had many pastors in your life? Were they all the same? No. No. Not at all. They were different. And so they had different gifts. And you see that. They had different gifts. And so here's what I want you to see. Here's the point he wants you to see. The focus needs to be where God gave the increase as a result of differing ministries. God is the one who gives the increase. So here they are. you got this group that says, Oh man, Apollos. We love Apollos. 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 He's the greatest speaker there is. And the problem is, you got another group that says, Man, well, Paul, he's the one who started it. And they're all rah-rah on each other. And they're getting upset because they're, they're fighting. Think about what they're fighting over. That would be like you theater fans fighting with uh, Bruce here about the Eagles. That, that, that's, that, that's how ridiculous they are. They're, they're fighting over something insignificant. Hey, you need to stop for a moment. This is election year. And I know there are differing viewpoints in this church. Who should be the God? That would be as ridiculous if that was allowed to come in here and you guys were fussing over who the guy should be. You see my point? That's how ridiculous it would be. That's what they're doing. That's what they're fighting about. And he's saying, look, God is the one who gives the increase. God is the one who gives the increase. And so then he gives a proper perspective. Here's the perspective we need to have. And this will help you. You need to listen to me. Here's the perspective. Look with me at verse 7. So then, neither he who plants is anything, nor he who waters, but God who gives the increase. Now, here's the perspective. Here's what he's saying. They, as leaders, are not important. Only God who gives the increase. See, their fixation was on leaders. Ooh, they're important. Yeah, they're important to a point, but only to a point. And it's a small point. Ultimately, it's God who gives the increase. Ultimately, it's God who does the work in a person's heart. Ultimately, it's God who matures the person. Do you understand what I'm saying? Ultimately, it's God who builds his church. Ultimately, 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 it's God. We've got to get that in perspective. See, now here's the problem. Here's what we do, and it's true in any culture. What we do is we tend to focus on leaders. You ever notice that we tend to focus on leaders? And we believe that leaders can only, if we don't, if we don't have a good leader, then, then we're history. Well, you know what they're noticing in, 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 the, in the third world right now, especially in countries where, where the church is being persecuted heavily? In the countries where the churches are being persecuted heavily, the governments usually go after who? They go after leaders because they, they, they are under the concept that if they wipe out the leader, and they usually do, they'll murder them, kill them, throw them in jail or something, then the rest of the people will scatter like what? Sheep without a shepherd. Now, here's what they're finding. It's not happening. Why? God raises up another leader. Because it's the Holy Spirit. It's God who gives the increase to the church. You understand what I'm saying? God raises up another leader. See, the point I want you to see is, God's way of doing things is totally different than the world's way of doing things. We're fixated on leaders. God says, be fixated upon me. And that's what they're doing. Is they're, they're, they're looking at their leaders and how eloquent they are when they need to be 
fixated on who God is. I'll never forget this. This is probably 17 years ago. I was sitting in a ministry chapel at Liberty University, and it was one of those rare occasions when Dr. Jerry Falwell would come in and with all the ministry students there, and he basically said, okay, guys, I'll open it up for a question and answer. If you've got a question and answer, you can ask me what you'd like. And, and guys were asking questions about ministry. One guy got up, I'll never, I'll never forget this, got up and said, well, you know, I love listening to John MacArthur. How come you don't preach like John MacArthur? You need to start preaching like John MacArthur. That's the same issue that's going on with the Corinthians. John MacArthur has his ministry. Jerry Falwell had his ministry. They're both different. They're not the same. But this young guy was immature enough to think that everybody needed to preach like John MacArthur. Do you see my point? It's God who gives the increase. It's God who gives the increase. Look with me, verse 8, it says this, unity of the work. They as leaders are equal and each will be rewarded for his work. They as leaders are equal and each will be rewarded. Each one will get a reward. They're equal. Each one. Here, be honest with you. You're sitting here saying, well, I'm just nothing. I mean, I just do a few things here in the church, but, you know, I just don't do much. And that's a poor me attitude. Because if you're serving Christ, you're all equal. Does everybody understand me? If you're serving Christ, you're all equal. And God sees you as equal. And you need, to, you need to understand that. Let's go on there then. So here's the principle. Leaders are God's servants, and the church is the work. Leaders are God's servants, and the church is the work. That's the principle that you need to get. Now, let's go on. Let's look here now, the nature of ministry. So now he's going to talk about what the nature of ministry is. So this is what we need to focus on, because this is true not just for leaders, but this is true for you and I as well. This is true for you as you do ministry, because you're here to do ministry too. Does everybody realize that? Let me just stop for a moment. Does everybody realize that you're here to do ministry? God did not save you just for fire insurance down the road, just to make sure you got the heaven thing taken care of. That's what we sometimes we get into that thinking that we were saved just for that purpose, to save me from hell and nothing more. You were saved to be a servant of Christ. You were saved to be a servant of Christ, to do ministry for Him. So here's what I'm saying. So listen to me. Now, let me just stop for a minute. You say, ministry, you mean I've got to be a preacher or something? No, no. Ministry, that's, that's a specific definition of ministry. You've got to get a broader focus. Minister where you're at, whether it's in a home or in your workplace, for you to serve God where you're at. Look with me. Look at verse 10 through 15. According to the grace of God, which was given to me a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation and other builds on it. But each one, take heed how he builds on it. For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become clear, for the day will declare it, because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. If anyone's work which he has built on endures, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss. But he himself will be saved, yet as through fire. Okay, let's look here. First of all, notice Paul talks about his work. Paul wisely laid a foundation in Corinth that others built upon. 
Paul wisely laid a foundation in Corinth that others came and built upon. So he's the one who started the work, and others came and built upon the work. So, for instance, you know, next year our church is going to be 70 years old. How many of you knew that? Next year it's going to be 70 years old next year. Our church is going to be 70 years old next year. All the way back, 1939, the church was started by a pastor by the name of Paul Dale. How many of you knew that? Maybe some of you did. He laid a foundation for the church 70 years ago. Now, in that time, they've had many pastors. And I'm just one of them. Who have come and who have built on the foundation of that church. In that time, they've had many individuals, just like you, who have come and they've what? Built on the foundation of the church. And that's the point I want you to see. He's saying he laid the foundation. He wisely, by the leading of the Holy Spirit, started that church in Corinth. And that's the point he's trying to make here. That's the nature of ministry. Now, here's what he says. He goes on and he says this. Paul warns them to take heed how they build upon the foundation he has laid. He warns them to take heed on how, he, how they build upon the foundation that he has laid. Now, here's the point. I want you to stop. This is a great point because we can use this illustration not just in reference to the church, but we can use it in reference to your life as well. You say, what do you mean? I want you to think for a moment. Who has invested in you spiritually? Who has invested in you spiritually? Think about that. Maybe it was a mom or a dad. Maybe it was a pastor. Maybe it was a Sunday school teacher. Somebody had invested time in you. Somebody laid a foundation in your life. Now, the warning that Paul says, like he laid a, a, he was saying to them, guys, I wisely laid a foundation there. And then he warns them about taking heed how they build upon it. You need to take heed how you build upon the foundations in your life. So I was even reminded of this last night. After the kids went to bed, I just recently received a letter that uh, a mentor of mine had passed away. And for six years, I went over to his house every Tuesday night when I was in Lynchburg, Virginia, for a roast beef dinner. That was great for a college kid. But after roast beef dinner, he would sit down with me and talk to me about the walk with God. And he just passed away this summer. I didn't know that because he was over in Africa. He went to Africa. He told me, I remember this, I'll never forget this. When I told him I'm thinking about going to Africa, he said, oh no, you're not going to Africa. Well, I don't want to hear that. I'm going to Africa. Here he goes to Africa. (laughs) But he went to Africa and he died 94 years old serving the Lord. And they sent me a DVD of his life. And I was watching it last night. That man laid a foundation in my life. Now, it's my responsibility how I build upon it. See, it's your responsibility to be aware of how you build upon the foundation that God is laying in your life. You understand what I'm saying? It's it's for the church to be wise about how it lays on the foundation when a pastor comes and builds on that foundation, how they build upon it. You understand what I'm saying? It's that important. That's what Paul's trying to say to them. So then let's go on. He talks about the foundation. Now, here's the foundation. Paul states that there is no other foundation than Jesus Christ. Listen. The foundation of this church is not concrete, although it literally is. 
The foundation of this church is not, well, we got a warm family feeling here. The foundation of this church is that people are friendly. The foundation, the foundation isn't, well, I can just dress the way I want to dress. Everybody accepts me for who I am. That, those are nice things, but that's not the foundation. The foundation has to be and is right now because it can change. The foundation is who? Jesus. That's what we have in common here. We can't even agree on politics. We can't agree on sports. Now, a lot of us can, but Bruce can't. He's rooting for the wrong team. Well, he would say we're rooting for the wrong team. Okay. You know, and we, you know, we can't agree on stuff. You can't even agree on hunting. I know we've had many seminars here. I've watched guys. I'm thinking, man, why do we do this? You know, because you see guys getting all upset about hunting. We can't agree on it. But we can only agree on one thing. What can we agree on? Jesus. That's the whole purpose. Of, if he's no longer the purpose, we might as well hang it up. We might as well hang it up. Jesus is the foundation. That's what he's saying here. Jesus is the foundation. So then, notice now, here's what he wants to get to, because here's the point, and this is a great point for them to understand, because what are they doing right now? What's the Christian church doing right now? Fighting. So as they're fighting, what do you think they're doing on that foundation? What kind of building do you think they're doing on that foundation? Not good at all. So then notice something here. He's going to talk, he talks about the coming judgment of their works. So notice with me verses 12 through 15. I'll read it to you again. If anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become clear, for the day will declare it, because it will be revealed by fire, and fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. And if anyone's work which he has built on it endures, it will receive a reward. And if anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved, yet so as through fire. Here's the thing I want you to see. First of all, the manner of the work. Each one builds on the foundation with different materials. Each one of you builds on the foundation with different materials. Now, let me just stop for a moment, because let me just tell you something. There's a little bit of a difference in how God judges things and how we judge things. What do you mean? How many of you here can know for sure the motive of a person? Raise your hand. You know for sure the motive of a person. If you do, please, I want you to write a book. We'll get it sold. And you'll become a millionaire, and I'll take 10%. It'll help the church out. How many of you can read motives? How many of you? Now, how, isn't it interesting that we, we admit we can't, but we think we know, right? Now, here's the point I want you to see. Who can read motives, though? God can. Now, here's the point I want you to see. God sees right through everything that we do. And even when we see somebody, oh, man, they did a great work for the church. Oh, isn't it wonderful? Yeah, but on the inside, they may have been totally selfish about it. And they were doing it so that you could say, Oh, aren't they wonderful? Now, here's how God grades things. He says, Hmm, did great work. Straw. Piece of wood. For someone else, they maybe are doing something nobody even knows. They don't tell anybody that they're doing it. 
but they're faithfully serving Him. Nobody else knows that they're doing it. He says, gold, silver. You see how He judges things? See, you and I are laying up for ourselves. So He's using the illustration of laying up. We're laying up for ourselves through our works. We're building on it with something. So that's what he's saying. Each one builds on the foundation with different materials. You know what? You know what your motives are. You know what your motives are. And is what you're doing... And here's the thing. The sad thing is, is our heart is so deceitfully wicked, you may not even know what your motives are. Because you can deceive yourself about why you're doing what you're doing. But God sees right through it. Because maybe you're doing what you're doing to feed your ego. Okay? You know what ego means, don't you? Edging God out. You know what I mean? But there you also may be here and you're doing it because you do love Jesus. And so you're building on that foundation with something. And that's the point he's trying to make here. He's trying to say to them, guys, you guys are fussing and feuding. Don't you realize you're building on something? You're building with material. But what kind of material are you building with? Then he goes on and says this. The nature, here's the thing. Hey, let's say, let's say uh, I'm going to pick on somebody here. Uh, I'll pick on myself. Okay. I do something. Everybody's like, wow, George, yeah. But on the inside, I'm selfish. Will you ever know that? Probably not. But there will be a day when it will be known. In fact, that's what he's saying here. The nature of one's work will be revealed in the judgment. Here, let me just stop for a moment. There is a subtle lie that we can fall into, and many do in the church today. And here's the subtle lie. The subtle lie is that once I get saved, that's okay. I don't have to answer for anything anymore. You know what I mean? Because my sins are forgiven. Because when they're forgiven, I don't have to answer for them. Because we don't like to answer for stuff, do we? Especially if we do somebody wrong and they forgive us. We don't want it brought up again. You ever notice that? We don't want it brought up again. That's our human nature. And there's a subtle lie that has enveloped Christianity today because we, we embrace eternal security. Well, I'm saved, always saved. I don't need to worry about it. But you need to understand something. That does not mean that God is not going to talk to you. That does not mean that God is not going to say to you, hey, your motive over here is wrong. Hey, I took notice of what you did over there. In fact, remember we talked about that before, about the sheep and the goats, and, and some, they were there, and they said, Jesus, when were you there when we did that? And he said, when you did it to the least of these, my brethren, you what, you did it unto me? See, we need to get rid of that lie that has... that has, Because here's what happens. With that lie, something gets thrown out. You say, what do you mean, George? What gets thrown out? Well, it's a concept that we used to teach in our churches years ago. Holiness. Some of you remember... You remember, you remember teaching about holiness. See, we've thrown that out the window now. Because I'm saved, I'm forgiven... Oh yeah, if I mess up, Jesus will just forgive me. No, no, you don't understand. You and I still got to give an account. 
And it's serious. The nature of one's work, what we do now, is going to be revealed later. Now, you may not think it will be. You may think you're okay and you can just coast into heaven and just have a great time and not have to worry about what you're doing now. Attitudes, way you treat people or whatever. The fact of the matter is, you've got to answer for it later. And you say, well, does that mean I'm going to hell? No, 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 no. You're going to see here in a moment. It doesn't mean about going to hell. But listen, whenever I got in trouble with my dad, he didn't say, I'm kicking you out of the family biologically. I was still a canon. But let me tell you something. Did I want to meet him? Talk to him about it? No. I hated those words from, wait till your dad gets old. How many of you heard those kind of words? Were you looking forward to that? No. You know what? I'm eager to see Jesus. I want to see Jesus. But I also have a fear about seeing Jesus. And the fear has to do with what he will talk to me about. See, that should be a driving force in all of our lives, shouldn't it? And that's what he's trying to say to these folks. He's saying, look, the nature of that work will be revealed in the judgment. He goes on and he says this. The one whose work endures the judgment will be rewarded. Look, if you've been laying up gold, precious stones, silver... What happens when, the, when judgment, the fire goes through that? It's only refined. So when your motives are right and you're serving from a pure heart and you're living from a pure heart, you're laying up for yourself treasures and they will endure. But here's the other point, real quickly. One whose work is burned up will lose everything except their salvation. Look with me what he says here. Verse 15. Anyone whose work is burned, he will suffer loss but he himself will be saved, yet as through fire. Here's the point I want you to see. You've been laying up for yourself wood, hay, straw by your actions and your attitudes and stuff. One day when that passes through the fire of judgment of God, it'll be gone. Oh, you'll be saved, but you won't have anything. You won't have anything. In fact, let me just stop for a moment. I'll I'll pick on myself again as a preacher. Okay? A lot of times, pastors will get accolades now. And, and the difficulty for a pastor is how to handle those. How to handle people saying, oh, that was a great sermon, Pastor. Okay? If the motives are wrong, that's wood, hay, stubble. And one day, a preacher may not have anything except that he's saved. And God may say to them, well, you know, you've got what you deserve down there. Because that's what you were working for. See the point? You see the point? What are you laying up for yourself? Oh, you're going to be saved, but you won't have anything. You won't have anything. That's the point he's trying to make here. So let's go on. Then he gives the warning. Look at verse 16 through 17. And uh, here's the warning. Do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? If anyone defiles the temple of God, God will destroy him. For the temple of God is holy. Which temple are you? 
Now here's the point. That word you is a plural word. Sometimes we'll read it singular. In our English language, it's, it's not as precise as the Greek language is. The English language there, that you is actually is a, is a plural word. Here's what I want you to see. Paul states that they are the temple, they are the temple of God where the Holy Spirit is. Do you guys realize that you are the temple right here? This isn't, isn't the building. For years we talked about the building. Going into God's house. You're God's house. The building could be gone. We could be sitting here freezing right now. But the building could be gone. But the house would still be here. The temple would still be here. Why? Because you're here. That's what he's saying. You collectively are the temple. You collectively are the temple. And who dwells in the temple? Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. So then he goes on now. Look with me at what he says next. Here's the warning. He warns that those who defile the temple will be judged severely. Now he's getting right to the heart of what's going on with these folks. He's getting right to the heart of what's going on with these folks. Because notice, what were they doing among themselves? What were they doing? Fighting. So here's the point he's going to say to them. He's going to say to them, guys, you're the temple. You're a holy temple. The Holy Spirit dwells within you. If you defile the temple, beware. Beware. Listen, this is, here's every one of us here. Here's the point I want you to see. Every one of us, every one of us, from the pastor on down, Every one of us, that includes you, have a responsibility in how you are with others in the church. Because how you are, if you just can't decide, well, you know, I'm just going to have a tood. You can't just decide, well, I'm going to snub them. You just can't decide to be mean. And some people, we've been in church, how many of you have met mean people in churches? And we've met mean people, haven't we? Hey, you know what? I'm scared for those folks because they got to answer for it. Because that's what Paul's talking about here. Be careful about defiling the temple. Be careful about what you do. Because the temple isn't the building. It isn't the organization. The temple is who? You. You. And so he's saying, he warns that those who defile the temple will be judged severely. They'll be judged severely. And so then look at verse 18 to 23. Now he gets to the point here, all belong to Christ. Look with me. Here's what he says. Let no one deceive himself. If anyone among you seems to be wise in this age, let him become a fool that he may become wise. For the wisdom of the world is foolishness with God. For it is written, he catches the wise in their own craftiness. And again, the Lord knows the thoughts of the wise and that they are futile. Therefore, let no one boast in men for all things are yours, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas, or the world or life or death or things present or things to come, all are yours, and you are Christ, and Christ is God's. Here's several points I want you to see. First of all, a plea for realism. Paul called them to not be deceived by the foolishness of worldly wisdom. Listen, this is an important point. You've got to hear me. Because we live in this world and we live in this culture, it is so easy for this culture to shape your values and to shape how you look at things. And it's, it's so easy for you to take that kind of perspective and then bring it into the church and say, okay, well, this is how we have to operate. And so a lot of times we operate by conventional worldly wisdom 
rather than by God's wisdom. And so what Paul is saying here, he's saying, guys, beware that you don't apply worldly principles to God's church. Because God does things differently. And He does. He does. God does things differently. So don't be deceived by worldly wisdom. Because God does things differently. He goes on then and he says this. Here's God's view of worldly wisdom. Paul points out that the wisdom of the world is foolishness to God. The wisdom of the world is foolishness to God. You know, this is election time, so I will say this. Ever notice in elections that in election time we always, it, it only happens during election time. We talk about how smart people are. And we'll talk about how smart John McCain is and how brilliant so-and-so is. And you know what? You take all of their brilliance and put it up against God's. It's foolishness to him. Here's the point of what you see. And again, I'm preparing you. Not everybody will be happy because of election day in this room. But as a Christian, you need to get a grip. Whoever wins, somebody's not going to be happy. And even if your guy wins, you need to get a grip. Here's the grip you've got to get. There is only one wise. Who's that? God. Jesus. And our submission and our, our lives need to be led by who? Jesus. Not the Democratic Party, not the Republican Party, not the Communists, not the Independents, not the Libertarians, whatever other parties are running. We don't know who they are, but they'll be on your ballot. It's not them. It's God. That's the point he's trying to make here. God. Here, so that's God's view of worldly wisdom. So here's the principle. We are not to boast in men. Boy, that is the universal principle, isn't it? Especially during election time. And let me just stop for a moment. There's some lessons from elections. During election time, we boast in our guy. Man, when he gets in, he's going to be great. They have no more control over stuff than anybody else. In fact, I just heard a preacher back in August who said this. I lived through eight years of Clinton, eight years of Bush. What's the difference? He said, my hope's in Jesus. Be careful who you boast in. Don't boast in a pastoral leader. Don't boast in an earthly leader. Don't boast. Don't boast. That's the point you and I got to grasp. Don't boast. Because, again, if they're smart, when you compare that to God, what does he say about their wisdom? It's what? Foolishness. Let's go on. Final point here. And here's what he says. All things belong to the church, and the church is Christ. You realize everything belongs to you? Now, you can't go claim it right now. You're heirs. Everything belongs to you. 
Don't use that line if you want to go hunting and you're hunting on somebody's land that's got a postage sign. It belongs to me. Not right now. But ultimately it does. And you belong to Christ. Okay. Next week we're going to look at his view of ministers again. He's talked about ministry. Now he's going to talk about ministers. We'll look at that next week. Let's close our time in prayer and get ready for the morning worship service.